Hey, 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 this is the How Goods This podcast. Man, we got a wonderful episode for you. Our good buddy, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Paul Corbett is in the studio mm. today. Dude, this was a fun one. Uh, Paul has been a good buddy of mine for, for many years. We, we initially connected because we both were, were raised um, in relatively similar backgrounds. Paul was raised a um, very wonderful family, but in, with a, a Mormon background. I was raised in an incredible family, but a very Christian background. And we both kind of found our own path uh, post-growing up in those scenarios and uh, had a good chance to chat about that and adulthood and love and, and, and marriage and children. Um, Paul is an artist, a, a craftsman, a, a, he had a coffee shop for many years. What, I, I feel like we could say so many wonderful things about Paul Corbett, but what did you guys pull from this conversation that you, uh, you felt stoked about? I love Polly Paul Corbett. Polly Paul's, He's dude. He's so good. Um, I, the, the cool thing for me, at, at least, was in that, you know, you said that you had uh, grown up in the church, Christian, he'd grown up in the church with Mormonism, um, and you guys had these like really strict uh, experiences growing up in, in, in that area, and I didn't at all, but the beauty of how our lives have all aligned at this point and how we've all come together and become friends is so cool because like none of that stuff even really plays a fact. I mean, it plays a factor into all of our identities, the way we were brought up, um, but it's just really cool to be able to, you know, just be such a cool friend of Paul's and to... Uh, and to have him come on here and, and, and walk us through that experience because I, I didn't know a lot of that stuff about him. And as vulnerable as he is and as, as much of a storyteller as he is, uh, you know, he's just got a million and five of them to give. And, and it was just great to have that, have that on here um, and to recognize that he's just even more my friend now than he was before. I just love that guy, man. He's so good. He's good, Stevie. What'd you, what'd you dig about it, baby? I think as we all know, like, at least among us, is that Paul is someone that we all admire as a peer and i think listening to his backstory to grow uh, in contrast to all three of our lives um at certain ages and times and pivots in our our own journeys of life i really liked and admire how uh he he took it on with such grace and uh really just like moved the fucking needle to make his life as best as he possibly could for his beautiful wife and his beautiful kids. And he's, it's nice to have a peer that you can admire in real time. Totally. Yeah, totally. I, I, I call him the exception to the rule uh, in the podcast, and, and I really do stand behind that because I think uh, for a lot of reasons there, there were so many ways that life could have gone in a, in, in a horrible direction for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, he, and he pivoted. And he, I just I look, I admire him so much, just mm-hmm. like you said, Stephen. Yeah, he's 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 the exception to the rule in, in my book. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think my what I enjoy most about my relationship with Paul, and I think the guidance and mentorship that I found from him. I, I met Paul when I was probably twenty four, twenty five. Um, I'd been touring for four or five years at the time. Um, had met my wife and was really pumped about the relationship but had this real bitter taste about marriage in my mind and in my pers- scope and perception i thought that you know in order to be married you you had to essentially just give up being fun give up 
joy, give up like mm-hmm. spontaneity, give up all these things in order to like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to settle down. Right. This is the classic like, yeah, yeah, yeah. case description of, uh, you know, the Western marriage is like, Oh, well, you know, it's just, he settled down. Yeah. And it was like, I don't want to settle down, dude. I'm crazy. AF son. You saw my underpants, dude. I wear me undies sponsor us. Um, and meeting Paul and his wife, Sarah, like these two have so much life in them, mm-hmm. so much love and joy, uh, acceptance, uh, kindness, just like a fervor for future. Yeah. Uh, they really, they really kind of instilled this perception in me that marriage and, and commitment mm-hmm. and monogamy doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be like corn on the cob. You know, it can be, you can have a little bit of uh, like, uh, you know, some tapas in there. You know what I'm saying, boys? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have, you know, his wife and uh, uh, Sarah's sister on one of the podcasts coming up. Mm-hmm. And hearing both of them in different times because they weren't in the room when we both did uh, the, the podcast, which I thought was really cool too, to hear them talk kind of candidly about each other and the relationship and the growth. And uh, I definitely think the beauty of them both is you know when someone genuinely asks you a question because mm. they want to hear the answer and they listen before they have a response or an agenda to the end of a conversation? They're both so good at that. It's mm-hmm. genuinely meaningful every time you hang out with them. Yeah. Yeah, word. That's something that's something that we could all get a little bit better better at and uh, and learn from from old Paul Corbett. Um this is Paul Corbett, the uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself. Um, we love him very much, and we hope you enjoy this episode. This is Paul Corbett. Do drugs safely. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> How good sis? Oh, I like coffee and I like tea. <laughs> but I do it my Actually, really good. Spot on. That's a true mouth harp. I'm a rapper. Damn, Bobby. I'm a rapper. Dude, that was special. And that's a rap. I was hard on my. I was hard on my. Run around that that record came out when I was in seventh grade, I mm, think. What and a great time for that record to come out! Oh God, it was a good times. We had this little DJ station in my um, cafeteria of my middle school, and the, you did. Yeah, it was sick. Like kids could go in and spin whatever they wanted to come spin. On. Like, on, like you just put like a disc on. Yeah, yeah, like a CD player. <laughs> what was it like? A little like, like a like a. Literal like disc like a, ch- disc band yeah yeah like a no 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 like a Boom tray box. like a tray came out you could put like six different records uh. in the, CDs in there and then <laughs> uh, cool. and dude every day every day I would go up and be like can you play run around blues Travis <laughs> blues Travis dude and they would rock it. <laughs> 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 
I'm just watching the show over here. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, it's just like, great. I don't know why I so, drove all the way out here for this. Yeah. This yeah. <laughs> cool. I think I'm going to go now. Did you guys say something about Jimmy John's? Because uh, uh, where's yeah. my lunch? I thought Mexican food. We're doing Mexican food after this faux show. Yeah, dude. I haven't had a good Mexi Mex. Are you going to get Paulie, dude, the other day I made a uh, 18-hour crock pot carnitas with Mexican Coke. What? Mm. Oh, real sugar. No, cocaine. Oh. <laughs> the, bad, the bad Coke. Yeah. <laughs> no, the good, the good Coke. Is, can't. Dude, thanks for the invite, <clears throat> dick. No, Mexican Coca-Cola. It was, dude, it was, it who was, was nice. there? Jules, you I were there. there. Yeah, it was it fire. Was really good. Mm. Where did yeah. you learn that recipe from? Did you get it from? From Jenny Ann Manon. Oh, really? Yeah, we had a man. We, yeah, we went over to their house one time and they had this slow, slow cooked carnitas. So it all just falls apart in your mouth. Off the bone. Let's talk about for a second what everybody will choose. What's your go to Mexican food delight? Go ahead, Polly. Oh, gosh. Like, I'm a cheap slut. Like, Fajitas. Just that's not cheap. That's like dude, that's the like most the expensive the one on the t- on the menu. Fajitas are if they're done right. Mm. I, I don't find that they're ever really done differently. Oh, really? I don't really find that Mexican food is done differently. It's really just. I mean, if you go to like a <clears throat> high stakes Mexican restaurant, then like you're dealing with some <laughs> good stuff. What was it like? High stakes Mexican. It's a it's an M E S. Mexican Mexican Mexico. Yeah, I mean, like, my brother... Gosh. It's going to be better if it's in your face. Um, my brother used to work at uh, a Mexican restaurant called... Come on, dude, I'm trying to talk myself out of something. <laughs> my brother, Tony, used to work at a Azteca. I don't know if those are around here. Those are a chain. Yeah, those are yep. weak. And he, and he was, like, 16. He would come home and just be like, man, it's so crazy. Because, you know, like, you get, like, complimentary chips and salsa. Um the the salsa was just in a garbage can that they would just go back and like scoop oh, yeah. their hands into and just bring it to your table. <laughs> like, and the chips too, like just yeah. garbage can chips and salsa. I mean, it's not so, a garbage can. It's, it's just delicious. A, it's a bigger Tupperware that could be a garbage can. Well, it is, it is yeah. an actual garbage can. They're just not. They're not throwing trash in it. I'm sure they sanitize it. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you would hope. Right? You do you remember, Polly? Do you remember, we we you live in Chihuahua where I grew up? We. Uh, but you've lived there for you didn't grow up there. You grew up in Colville, which is north, about a half an hour. But yeah. you've lived in Chuila for what? Coming ha- up half my life. Half your life. Yeah. So you do you remember Mikasita? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. S- such a stellar restaurant. I was, we all wish it was still there again. We, we all do. It, it's all it it's still there. It just boarded up and it still says Mikasita, but it's like Yeah, which is interesting. I'm like, who owns this building? Because it's just been boarded up for at least fifteen years. About that, yeah. Um, wow. One time, they used to bring out this like really cool coleslaw kind of uh, thing with. So you got the, you got the, uh, the salsa, you got the chips, and then you got this like slaw stuff. You remember that? Oh yeah. Oh man, we were there one. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> and for, I guarantee that whoever owned Mikasita is not watching or listening to this cast. So uh, who gives a fuck? Careful now. Dude. Maybe. Maybe. Either way, it was like an honest mistake. But my dad's fishing through the coleslaw, right? Gets a chip up to his mouth. And there's a piece of chewed gum 
No. On the chip, dude. Scout's honor on the chip. It somehow it had fallen oh. into the coleslaw, and he brought it up to his. And he's like, "Oh my god!" And my dad is such a sweetheart. You know, my family very kind people, <clears throat> peacemakers. He's like, you know, pulls the guy aside. He's like, "Hey, I just want you to know." <laughs> That this was in my coleslaw. <laughs> you know, and he shows up. The poor owner was mortified. I think my, my mom had delivered their children, you know, so it was even, we were even more so connected to the family. And I've never seen a more terrified look on anyone's face than that. He was so kind. He's like, meals paid for. You don't, you don't got to worry about it. And we're like, listen, honest mistake, man. I mean, like, at least it wasn't a Band-Aid or something. I'm going to one-up you right now with that Band-Aid statement okay. because... I found also, in telling <laughs> you, dude. <laughs> I edit these episodes. Yeah. I sound fine. Now I'm gonna sound too loud. Hey, everybody, do you That's like better that? Better like that. Oh, it sounds awful. It sounds muffled. I found in my sounds muffled in my carne asada burrito when I was like in the burrito, eleven or twelve. Oh yeah, no, a band aid. Oh. Not only the oh, band aid though, no. a full index finger. Fingernail oh! on the band aid in full, the, band- the whole the thing. The whole thing. Oh! And the problem was is that I actually put it in my. I got it. Was, oh! It went in my That's mouth how you found and pulled it, it out. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. Oh, dude, it was. Yeah, we're not going to Mexican food bad. after this anymore. Okay, one more band aid story. <laughs> okay, please. <laughs> when when I was a kid and my my bless her heart aunt she took us up and she had a rum and coke and her Carlton 100s and. No seatbelts, and there's nine kids in this suburban, and she's just like cruising it. Let's go get chicken. So we went up on the South Hill Perry District area, and it was a slums back in the day. Yeah. And uh, she got us chicken. We all got back to the house, and we're eating our chicken. And one of us kids is like, and it was a drumstick, and it's like, oh, and they it was under the breading, and it was a full on band aid, you know, oh. and just had to peel it out of there. It was just like. What the? The band aid was on the drumstick. Yeah, they actually deep fried it in the. <laughs> uh, it was under the coating, man. Oh, like, that's crazy. They pan coat over the oh, the band aid. Man, that's so there's our there's our band aid stories. Dude. It's great. Band aids. I'm glad we have them. Well, Would you prefer a band aid or blood or human blood in your in your food? You, I couldn't tell the human blood. You wouldn't tell. You wouldn't know. It's a good point. Depends on how cooked it is, you know. But you, you have to think of it. Copper. Maybe maybe we yeah. could think of it. <laughs> the iron. We, we could think of it in this capacity <laughs> that uh, that the band aid was an attempt to not bleed in the food, mm-hmm. and then unfortunately you just got a band aid. Put it in the comments, folks. What do you what would think? You prefer? <laughs> would you prefer a, a pint of blood in your Mexican burrito or? Just a band-aid. Pints a lot. That's, that's a, a lot of blood. That's a grip of blood. I feel like <laughs> I was thinking a few like drops. <laughs> you gotta go know. to the you gotta go I to the ER if you yeah. if you're, you're losing a pint of especially just during one dish, right? Like it, how how many dishes as a cook do you gotta pipe do you gotta pipe out yeah. during a session? Yeah. Mm. If you spend enough time to bleed a pint blood mm. into into a, a Royce Compoyo, you're gonna pass out soon. In anything like this. Would you prefer to know or not know? Not know. In, not in, know. In anything. Steve? No or not know? Not know. Not know. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind. Like, yeah. they allow so many rats to fall in, like, at a peanut butter factory, like, and that's acceptable. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, that's just a given thing. It's like, and, you know, 
on mass amounts of something, yeah, it's yeah, it's probably fine. R- rats are high in fiber actually too, and that's kind of protein I've, for sure. Proper protein. You guys have there. never eaten a rat though. I've never uh. eaten a rat intentionally, no. But yesterday, <laughs> cleared a mouse. <laughs> cleared a mouse. Wait, really? I set that trap up, dude. That was scary as shit to set the, a mouse trap up. Uh, I flinch so bad at those. Mm. That's why I do the sticky ones that torture them. They're like mm. half on, and they're just like dragging it across the oh floor. Oh, my God. It's so scary. But that setting up that deal, it's like I'm oh, flinching. Yeah. Oh. I can't even open the Pillsbury dough things just without. Adjust your mic stand, bro. There we Let's go. Let's talk about this. Great. Thank you. <laughs> Julian sounds like he's at the end of of hallway. <laughs> Only in the headphones, though. It doesn't actually sound like that on the recording. I don't agree. You, sound you fine haven't to watched me. one. It's podcast. coming through. Just fine. I have too. No, you haven't. Name I haven't one. watched a you podcast. Haven't listened to one podcast. I've listened to one. Yes, I did. Which I listened. One? The the Teddy and Ty episode oh, you four. Did? Wow. You Thank didn't you. listen to the one with Taz. Wow. I listened to that one too. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously I, I listened to one episode. Which one? Good going. <laughs> you didn't listen to your wife? I listened to that too. No, you didn't. <laughs> Oops. Red-handed, Dwayne. Red-handed. <laughs> the rat and the peanut butter. Got your red-handed, mm. Dwayne. Oh, man. Well, mm. now this that podcast is done. Now that we've all... <laughs> so about that Mexican food. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. So who's on the couch, guys? Um, the, yeah, n- now that we have... Um, <laughs> we've We have gone down the, the, the alleyway of terrible food experiences at restaurants. Oh, there's um, more. There's plenty more, but we're not going to touch on them anymore because <laughs> that's enough for today. Um, we are... Paul, we're live, by the way. We are now live on... Uh, um, the How Goods This podcast. Mm. We are sitting with easily one of the kings of the castle. You like, and let me just let me just <laughs> say that that is you can you can say that about like most of the people that come through here and like really credit people who come. But like that is a true statement. It's a true statement that this human being sitting on the couch next to us is uh, one of my favorite people who's who is alive or dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> We met. Uh, we met in my uh, late twenties. I moved back to my hometown of Chewila, Washington, and um, this young man. Uh, I haven't said your name yet, so don't talk. Uh, this young man. <laughs> this young man was running a coffee shop called Paul's the Coffee Bar, and was kind of the. Uh, that was the, the the saving grace of not only my existence up in Chewila, but also my wife's sanity. Uh, we went into Paul's coffee bar, and Paul made a hell of hell of a cup of coffee and a hell of a latte. But uh, beyond that was an incredible friend and um, mentor in life and love and marriage and child rearing and uh, everything. You were for Dang. three and a half years. You were like a, a father figure mentor to me when I was living up in Chuila, but. Um, we wanted, I wanted personally to sit down and chat with you because we both, our lives have kind of mirrored each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we both were born in small towns. We were both born uh, into incredible families, but um, there was a, a religious slant to both of our upbringings. And um, we've developed into human beings that 
connected, I think, initially on that. That's what I first remember connecting to you with uh, was our backgrounds. And um, I'd like to not only touch on that a little bit, but uh, also touch on your woodwork. You are an incredible craftsman. You've built out um, the cockpit area uh, <laughs> of, our, of our Live at the Lodge, How Good Is This Situation. Um, and you're also just funny AF. <laughs> I'm pretty funny. You're pretty. I'm pretty funny. And you know? uh, for all of our listeners who don't know what AF <clears throat> means, it means as fuck. As fuck. I like to use fudge. As, as fudge. fudge. Um, so, Polly, you were ra- you were born uh, in Colville, Washington. Am I correct? Yep. Uh, you are. How many siblings? You have quite a big family. I have five sisters and five. me, dude. That's so sick. Youngest? Where do you stand? In I'm that? in the middle, so. What? There's three uh, older, me, and then the two youngest are identical twins. So, so if you guys want your makeup done or anything, I'm pretty fucking good. <laughs> do you Just think that saying. you relate with uh, with females way better because of that upbringing? For sure. Uh-huh. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then I and then I go into the next phase of my life and have nothing but girls, and it was a blessing because it's like I I love men. I men are amazing people but if i go if i walk into a party or a get together i am so drawn to the women's circle mm. and that sounds right yeah, it's not sexual odd, but by any means, no, no no it's just women women are just so much easier and more raw and men tend to wear their egos and their fronts up hmm. and hmm. i I don't mind battling that sometimes, but it's if I want to just like have a chill, relaxing conversation and moment, I'll go to the women and mm. have a, a real conversation usually. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're I, just naturally drawn I, to that. I find that uh, like expressing yourself and being emotional can sometimes fall into the um, I, I, ideas of being feminine. And mm-hmm. I think that knowing you and building a relationship with you, there has been such an openness and a rawness and a vulnerability to like our conversations that uh, that doesn't happen in most relationships with men because we're like, well, I'm strong. I'm I got my shit together. I'm not like uh, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 sturdy. You know. Yeah. And I think some of the best uh, the best people I know are are guys like you who who kind of ha- are in touch with your. And I don't even like to think of it as a feminine side by any means. It's just I think it actually makes you more masculine in that it's, you can kind of tap into those things for yourself. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really they complement both sides like that. You're yin and yang, I guess, and it's balance is always like one of my favorite things to remind myself. You know, to 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 venture into. You know, it's I'm out of balance and. Yeah, it's not a very comfortable space. So mm-hmm. it's, it is really nice to like. I I I'm so grateful for that upbringing. It, How what's the gap between? Was it? Did your parents have quite a few kids over like a ten year <clears throat> period, or are your are the twins much younger than you? We're what? all within six years of each other. Yeah, so. all seven Five. of you. Six. All six of you are within. Yeah. Afton, Marnie, a year apart. <clears throat> Amy, two years. And then I'm almost like a year apart from her. And then the twins were two years. I love the name Marnie. I do too. That's a cool name. I I've never heard that before, I don't think. Now, Is that a family name, Marnie? Marnie, well, it, you'll find 
there's a lot of Marnies out there that were born about 69. It was totally from the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Ah, uh, cool. okay. Cool. Yeah, so. Which one? I think it was, what was it? Was it called Marnie? No, it was. Doesn't matter. I can't <laughs> remember. I don't, but I don't know either. There was a character in that Alfred Hitchcock uh -huh. movie. Yeah, but yeah. I can't remember if it was the birds or what. Um, you, we haven't touched on the idea, on the fact that the religious aspect that you guys are talking about is Mormonism, which is what you were raised in. <clears throat> um, did six children being born into your family have to do with that faith? Because like, I I understand my my very limited understanding of Mormonism is that there's a and my and my uh, stereotyping brain mm -hmm. goes to a lot of children. Mm -hmm. That's well, I mean, and in those faiths, whether whether it was Catholicism or Mormonism, it was like procreate and make more of this mm -hmm. of this you know, religion. Creed, yeah. Yeah. So. Same within, did you mention this? Same within Catholicism, like big families are, that's uh, that's just kind of, I don't know if it's necessarily a creed, but it's, it just happens quite is, a bit. What is a creed? Oh, it's a, it's a, like, it, it was the movie that followed Rocky. Oh, Nice. Yeah, Michael B. Michael B. George. It was a great band. Yeah, Michael Michael B. George has a band. Um, Scott Storch. Stapp. Oh, God, dude. Scott Stapp. I liked Creed Two, honestly. Creed Two was a good banger. I didn't see um, it. No, a I Creed. Hope not. I, I think I think a Creed within yeah. a dogmatic uh, perception would mean a tenant, a rule of sorts. I don't know if a rule. It's not necessarily a a rule to have a big family, but I think the vibe is uh, just... It's like a religious philosophy that's abided by. I think, right, Paul? I, don't, I'm, uh, it, I mean, the, the big one, I'm, I'm going to leave Creed behind because I'm not positive about that. I just know that it's if, if you are following a certain religion, they want to make you obviously want to create more of these beings mm. so this religion can flourish. Yeah. You know, if, if you breed them, you have a better chance than going out and trying to sell somebody on it, which... <clears throat> gotcha. So it's like an, it's a, it's an, a form of evangelism uh, via um, but raising through, up big families. But through attrition of being born into it, right. which is what right. I was. I, my, my parents both uh, almost got disowned by their families because they both searched out the Mormon religion. Wow. So their families weren't religious and they came no. to Mormonism. And their whole, all their families were going, what? <laughs> it's like Jim Jones sort of Kool-Aid thing. Mm, it's like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, What was their background? Where are they from? Are they from the Pacific Northwest? Or are they? Uh, yeah. My dad's from like Libby, Montana area. My mom's a Spokane girl. Okay. So... And did they meet in the church, that, or did they marry and then find the church? They met. Uh, they met after both of them joined the church. You know, looking for community and looking for something to grab hold of. Mm -hmm. And then I th they were at BYU, going to college. Oh and that's wow! Where okay. They actually met and got married in the the big hoo ha temple there. And so, so what would what age would they have joined the Mormon church then? That must have been uh, pretty young it then. Was if in they went college, to... so yeah, mid twenties I would say. Did they go to BYU prior to joining the church or were they just like BYU, great college, I'm gonna join the I'm They jo joined the church and, and I then think, went to BYU. I think at, I can't 
can't remember if at that time you had to be a member of the church to go to BYU. I don't think so. I think you could still be accepted, but it's, you know, if you're going to go to BYU, you probably should be a member. Right. Brigham Young. Yep. And Brigham Young was was Joseph Smith's, like, predecessor. Brigham Young is kind of yeah. credited for <clears throat> the spread of the Mormon church. Am I right? Well, yeah, after, after Joseph kind of got ostracized and jailed uh, somebody had to take over and yeah Brigham took over and they were being run out of the east coast area midwest right. east coast yep. and he came across pioneering across and found you know Utah and was like this is the Mecca this is home and so what so uh the Mormon Church and Joseph Smith, as I understand it, Joseph Smith was the like found. Let's call it a founding father of like mm-hmm. the Mormon Church, the Mormon religion. Brigham Young would be like the apostle of of Joseph, the 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 Paul to his Jesus, uh, essentially. I suppose you could say it like that. Okay, I mean somebody had to take the reins, right? So Joseph Smith was jailed for, I'm guessing. Uh, a lot of things. Really? Polygamy. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was... I mean, he was basically a cult leader. Yeah. And a lot of people weren't weren't digging on it. And it's like, well, <laughs> what do you do? Yeah, well, right. And, uh, and then... something too different. And... <clears throat> right, right. Our cult is fine. We are the, we are the Protestant cult. <clears throat> yeah. Our, our cult leader's not around anymore, so it's okay. <laughs> Uh, but you, my friend, cannot start your own cult and call it a religion. I do think that's kind of funny. I don't know if you guys have ever done that thought experiment where there's like um, Scientology, right, in the last few years has kind of been highlighted as this cult. And um, as outlandish as one might think or uh, view the Scientology church, the Church of Scientology, mm-hmm. it's not that different from the rest of the major religions that we just kind of naturally feel are normal, right? Like the 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 Catholic thing is there's a lot of weird things within the Catholic religion, mm-hmm. the Christian religion. Um, if I if I were to break down all the major religions in the world, Buddhism is the one that I'm like, ah, kind of, that's like close enough, sort of thing. Most drawn to, yeah. yeah. But um, <clears throat> so Brigham Young. He then he was the settler that cruised to Utah mm-hmm. and set up camp there. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so then uh, so being raised with uh, six sisters, am I right? Five, sisters. five sisters, six kids total. I got to be one of them. But. Yeah, um, raised in Colville. Colville's just north of Chewila. It's mm-hmm. like in the northeastern corner of Washington State. Were you? Did you go to public school? Did you go to? Did, did you, oh yeah, you public, public schools. schools. Mm-hmm. Yep, super, super amazing. And so, just like you, anybody else. <laughs> same. And so, since then, you—I wouldn't say detracted, but you've—you're—you're you're not. You wouldn't <clears throat> consider yourself a Mormon anymore. Uh, no, no, I would not. But I guess what I will—I will toot their horn, and like I would with just about any religion. Like I think everybody starts off like in a positive. I think we're all barking up a very similar tree. Right. And, you know, we all want to be treated well. It's, it's, I, you know, you could take 10 commandments, you could do all these different things, but 
I'm more of a golden rule guy mm-hmm. where do unto others as you'd have done unto you. Yeah. Like pretty much that covers everything, the whole spectrum. Right. So that's how I, I like to go through life, but I don't need all these extra rules. Like, uh, you know, the word of wisdom, it's a great thing. That's a, that's a Mormon term. Mm-hmm. And that's uh don't do tobacco. Don't do alcohol. Don't do drugs. Yeah. Don't do tea or caffeine coffee you it's know. an interesting one tea i know it's uh they just <laughs> tell they me just... about it <laughs> <laughs> but the, but these are some of the what we would call tenants maybe yeah and, and instead of saying you know moderation try that they probably just looked at it like most people don't know how to moderate like ah. these certain drugs have hooks they're probably gonna succumb to them mm. so let's just take them all out yeah yeah sure. and so I, I actually didn't uh, try smoking pot or drinking alcohol or anything until I was twenty-five. Yeah, and which was... is probably which is great. I no, mean, it's great. I yeah. it, it, it was a, a very I was super healthy. Uh, like there's all these positives, but at the same time, it's like I I do want to live life. And, yeah. And did you feel that way growing up that you that you wanted to experiment, but but were prohibited very for sure for sure and there was a lot of guilt there's that's the other thing about religions is you know there's guilt and fear instilled in each of us little young minds Mm. and you can control just about anything with those two things right right those and i was very controlled like i you know i knew i wanted to you know venture out and try something new and different but there was all this looming pressure that there's this all seeing eye mm. of sorts and it's like it's it's numbing. It's like it's so scary. What, so what kind of kid were you in your like formidable years? Like, who were you? Were you like a popular kid? Were you a kind of like a strange, like by the rules kind of kid? Like what were you like? Um I didn't actually like I, I stayed in my little my lane until probably freshman year. What is your lane? Uh, just <clears throat> straight and narrow. Just a good kid, like good, good kid. Grades, yep, people pleasing, mofo. Uh, you know, yeah, just yeah. And then I finally got to a spot where it's like, I think it was high school, probably just after puberty. You know, freshman year, and it's like, ooh, I want to, I want to dress funky. Mm-hmm. And my sister, my oldest sister Afton, she, this is like in the mid '80s, '86, I think. She totally went into the goth scene, (laughs) and so I was. Oh, way beyond the (laughs) cure, dude! Come Uh, on, sorry, my fault, my fault. Goth central, yes, yeah, (laughs) so gloom and doom, but it was so awesome. She was the first, one of the first people to pierce her nose that I'd ever seen, you know. Mm. And so I helped her dye her hair and put egg egg whites in so she could form it so she looked just like robert smith from the cure you guys probably don't know who that is but oh, yeah what you what year is this because you're a little you're like a there's like a decade yeah so i was age. probably like a freshman and i was a freshman and that was like 86 okay so wow. it's like total when we're born. total 80 yeah yeah, yeah. we got a little yeah. gap oh that's interesting but yeah i don't know that like that was that was so fun to see her kind of rebel from our good Mormon goody two-shoe family. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a a definite spike in my spirit 
to like venture out a little bit so mm. yeah i totally uh, i didn't do drugs or anything but i got into that music had the whole skater hair thing you know and dressed real funky and just just to push the boundaries a little yeah, bit. yeah that was an act of rebellion that was acting yeah. out yeah totally everybody's like what what are you doing it's you, like did, were you were you uh punished or chastised for any of that by your family no not so bad man that my family was pretty good of course my dad he's total clean cut you know high and tight and mm -hmm. he'd give me shit every once in a while like mm -hmm. yeah maybe you should you know bring those bangs up to here not here <laughs> so, but you were still able to kind of just still able to how yep. you wanted to because i kept going to seminary and i'd go to church and i'd carry out my callings but i just do that was my one little outlet i guess yeah did you like it did you connect with it did, the the seminaries the church the i the, did because like i like i said i grew up in it it was like it was almost like the village the movie you know it's like that's all i knew it was like i was in this like bubble mm -hmm. and yeah. that was my community i all these friends and family which you just grow to like you whether you you know the kool-aid tastes good or not that was kind of on the side here it's like i have this community i have all these people that i know and i trust even though it's a little hmm, but it was great i wouldn't change any any of that honestly like yeah i think about that quite a bit paul and i think maybe we connected on that when we first <clears throat> met is that you have a great relationship with your family still mm-hmm Sure. As do I. I love my parents. I love the way I was raised. I'm appreciative to the community that I was placed in and yep. the upbringing and, the, and the, the ethics and the morals that were instilled in me growing up. Um, but then there's this other side of my perspective and my, my mind that looks at that and goes, ah, it's like there's, there's aspects of it that's like, you don't need that. Right, like you can you can instill morals and and ethics and and a spine in a human being without the guilt and the fear. Yes. Um, but but without question, I look back on my upbringing because you know some of the viewers and listeners might not know I was raised in the church. My father was a minister, um, and uh, even though I look back now as like a mid thirties, and I'm like, God, I'm so thankful for the upbringing I had there was definitely a period of my life like in my 20s where I was just like so bitter and upset at like this fear and this guilt that had sort of trailed me throughout my up my, mm -hmm. my young years um did you go through a period like that where uh, you know post sort of leaving leaving the church is a tough thing to say because like at the end of the day um, you just stopped going to service, but like you still connected with your family and, and I'm sure if anybody you had known in the church, you saw them on the street, you would say, hey, hi, you know, mm -hmm. it's not like you would just cut off all ties, but at, but at some point you stopped being a Mormon, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, did you go through a period of bitterness or, or remorse or like, uh, any of that? fear well it was all it was just that all that just snowballed into one big ball yeah, yeah no it was that was probably the toughest thing was um i i even had my mission calling i was supposed to go to raleigh north carolina i mean that was like what i was 
it's a very male dominant oriented religion so it's like i'm the one boy out of six kids and it's like this is going to be the one that's going to go on his mission girls can go on their mission too but it's only if they don't you know they, they really push for them to go to like rick's college or byu and f- get their mrs degree is what they call that so what's that mrs what's that stand for mrs get married Oh. <laughs> oh shit! Like, okay. Go find a go find a a return missionary gotcha. and get married. Okay. That's the best thing you can do. But if you can't seem to find that, you can go out and proselyte. You know. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Paul, did you have a mo- like? Was there a moment that you can recall ab- about making that decision when you were kind of doing that? And I know that's it's always hard. It's like not necessarily like some type of situation that per se, but was there? some kind of thing that you remember that that kind of drew you to moving departing from where you were like a defining moment of yeah, making you, yeah. the making that yeah for yeah. sure uh it was meeting my amazing wonderful wife sarah let's take a moment of silence for sarah. the greatest the greatest <laughs> the greatest this, woman this alive. just three <laughs> seconds just three seconds Hold for on. sarah yeah she's She's I wasn't the, silent. She, I didn't say it. He, <laughs> he made him. Oh, you did? He made oh, the noise. You did it. I didn't you do that. You went. Noise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do it again. Awesome. That was Paul, fantastic. I'm in love with your wife. Oh, yeah. Every, all, all, all of us. <laughs> Jesus, I know. She's, she's the queen. All right. So this is the So you met, you met Sarah. Sarah. When did you guys meet? Uh, so <laughs> she was right behind me all through high school, all through school. And we never knew each other. And if she was sitting here, she would tell you that I was I was a year ahead of her in school. She was she was a wallflower, and uh, I apparently was kind of Mister Popular. And I don't see it quite like that. I was just a very social guy, so I was super good friends with the stoners, the jocks, the preppies, the music. It didn't matter. Like I was just that guy. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, so she, what what, like glommed us onto each other from the get go was, there was like six goth kids in our whole school, and both of us happened to be one of those people that's like, oh my god, you listen to Depeche Mode? Oh my god, you like the Cure? So did you dress goth? Whenever I think of goth, I think of like eyeliner and like no, way I too many belt buckles. Didn't didn't have the whole life is pain look okay. going on. <laughs> yeah. But like we definitely, you know, we rocked our shirt. <laughs> it can <laughs> be. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was that was kind of like one of our little like, oh, you're wearing oh you like OMD? Oh my God. Yeah. So it's like wearing our little shirts and doing our little clicky thing. Gotcha. And that that like that attracted us to each other and then we were just really good friends after high school like i didn't get to know her till i was graduated and it was her graduation and uh i just remember at the graduation like my nickname was apple because my large adam you get a tight on his adam apple bro that thing is gnarly (laughs) this for everybody just listening to the podcast this guy has an elevator in his neck (laughs) looks like he's got a dumb waiter from the chest up to the chin i do do my workout really fancy workouts (laughs) 
Jeez, you, <laughs> you, lift a, you lift a half gallon of milk with that thing, dude. <laughs> anyway, two women, one time, no big deal. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so because of your Adam's apple, you were called Apple. Mm. And I just remember at her graduation, she had a big balloon and it had, I love you, Apple, I think it said on it. And I was like, anyway, that could be totally edited out of this whole thing. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, <laughs> keep, keep going down your story. But that, that was when we connected and, and then it, it just like snowballed after that. Like we just connected and like, it's like we were best friends, super good friends and our little clicky like five or six buddies for two years. And then that's the best. That's when you, it's like, don't, don't take it to the romantic phase until after that. Yeah. You, you know, you can tell that to anybody, but some, some people have good luck going right to romantic, but being like getting to know somebody and going, yeah, I actually like you. We could actually have sex and it might be, worthwhile yeah and correct me if i'm wrong but you had never been with another woman prior to this no not 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 fully neither of us have and nor was she uh a product of the mormon church no she was not she actually was dating one of my good buddies that was a year older than me and he ended up going on his mission and then she started dating me and she, yeah, we fornicated two weeks before I was supposed to go to Raleigh, North Carolina. Mm. And this is what kind of did that this was pull the, you out of going that, to your mission? Yeah, oh yeah, I had to. I actually, I had to. Whoa. Like, I hate confrontation. I had to like go to my. I didn't want to tell my parents or anybody, but it was just like, oh my god, like I, I've like been on this planet for 19 years, like prepping for this whole moment, oh, and wow. then God, that's heavy, and. What was really cool, I have to say, about was my stake president, which is above the bishop. Anyway, it was like like a real sweetheart of a guy. And I went to him, and I was so just humble and like, I messed up. And I and he was like, well, what would you do? And I was like, I, you know, I had sex. You know, and he's like, well, you know what? Like, God put us on this planet. with That's like the most potent, powerful drive a man has. So what you just need to do is harness that. And mm. it, but he was very understanding. It was this horrible thing that I thought it was going to be. Mm. This and I, I think it was just this particular character, <clears throat> you know. And it was the most beautiful, best thing ever. And he's like, I'll give you, you know, a month to, you know, clean up. And I was like, a month? Wow. Like, because in the Mormon church, I think fornicating is like, third in line of the worst things you can do. I think there's murder, adultery, and then fornication. Wow. So, and then seeing the Book of Mormon on Broadway, is that like number that's, two? That's <laughs> probably jumped up to number two. <laughs> Start, yeah, that and switched them around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is classic, yeah, by yeah. the way. <laughs> um, so you, you take a month. To well, he gave me a month, and then you can go on your mission. Well, it was two days later. Um, I refornicated because it's a very addictive drug, apparently. I mean, it's just a beautiful, wonderful thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And my mom even said that. She's like, if you get a taste of that, you're going to not know how to, you know. And I was like, whatever, mom. 
Well, she was right. Yeah. She was right. Okay, so then two days later, what happens? You're like, I, I'm not going on my mission. Well, I didn't mean for that, but I went and hung <clears throat> out with Sarah again, and yeah, it happened again. It's like, I mean, on some level, I really did not want to go out and sell a church I didn't really believe in. So was that a part of your perception at that point? That like, I'm going to do this thing because... Uh, it's connected to this community that I really love. I really love all the people who have I've experienced uh, this this religion. Well, my whole upbringing, all, like, all was, your family, everybody. It was a tribe, you know. This tribe of people, the 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 canvas that this tribe has been, uh, you know, painted on, so mm-hmm. to say, um, is this religion. But in reality, I just I love the people. You know, yeah. I don't I don't care about Brigham Young and Joseph Smith or, you know, did you have a reverence towards anything within the church or was it simply the community? Uh, you know, I, I, I high grade, I've high graded all the goods that I could from the church, leaving behind the fear and the guilt. And one of my favorite things is like, we, we would call it Monday night family home evening. So it was like the whole family would, get together and we just sit in a big circle and this thank goodness this is way before cell phones and all this addictive stuff yeah and you know we just sit there and we'd take turns and each one of us would say a little something you know on what we're grateful for or you know so like and, and i've tried to take that into my life and so we have monday or sometimes it's floating tuesday night family dinners no cell phones, just us, and we just, the girls and Sarah and I just talk about everything, mm. and it's, and we're pretty, pretty, yeah, I don't know, it's just a beautiful thing. So that's one of those things that I've taken from yeah, the so church. Awesome. There's, there's great things to Amongst be other things, too. Oh, there's lots oh, of totally. other things. You, but. you have, um, you're the most, not the most, one of the most uh, kind and giving humans, I think I've ever come across in my life. Um, you're you're uh, gracious with your time. You're gracious with your work. Like anything, we half of this studio has been built by you, and uh, you just did it out of the kindness of your heart. Um, no, I charged you some money. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't paid you yet. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. true. Because <laughs> he needs uh, people to voice. send um, money. Yeah, but it just help us out on the Patreon page. <laughs> I, um, pay for our desk. I also, I also think, Paul, that you're kind of like the exception to the rule, at least in my own opinion, because I think when I look at people the age at which you got married, or not you got married, you met Sarah and decided to fornicate and kind of you, how long have you been with Sarah? 25 years? Uh, we're coming up on 30, but we've been officially married 27. It's, so. it's, uh, I would look at a 19 year old just making those decisions and say, you're a fucking idiot. You're, you like, you have no life experience. You have no idea who you are quite yet, but you, but, but by knowing you and, and, getting to understand that like you, you are older than me and I've been able to see you and learn about you and, and your uh, relationship with Sarah and your children. I've, I've met your whole family and there's something really special about uh, the approach that you took to all of this. And it really seems like the exception to the rule because you have single-handedly changed 
what narrative I've created in my head about all of that because I think it's just I, I think it can't be done and then yeah. but you did you've done this and your relationship with Sarah though I'm sure rocky throughout the course of it has landed on its feet every time after and again and I see you guys and there's something so beautiful and incredible about your guys' relationship and, and your relationship to your kids and, and your relationship to yourself and the people that you're, that you're surrounded by. Um, so I think you're the exception to the rule because well, I don't see a lot of people doing and that. And you said it well. It's a, it, there's been some definite rocky, like, there's been some shit. And the best thing, like, we've had to go, we've had to go see counselors and and family therapy. Mm -hmm. I mean, <clears throat> everybody bet against Sarah and I when we first connected and we were having, of course, getting pregnant with Why Avery. So I was like not even 21 yet, and Sarah was 19. And it's like, what do you get? And no education. Like, I was actually like boxing groceries at the grocery store and I saw no end in sight. You know, it's like, oh my God, like, this is not what I set out to do mm. and but here it is let's do this let's make the best out of this and it's been quite a journey but yeah like I'm, I'm not gonna lie there's been some there's been some rough patches there's been some make or break spots but the I guess the best thing is is we all faced it. Even our kids, they had to face it with us. It's like this. This is ugly, but this is life. This is, this is how, this is what real life is like. And mm. the best thing you can do is communicate, and listen, and hear the other person. I'm not kidding. Sarah and I went to a to a, a counselor, and you know we were just about ready to throw it in. And this was probably. 15 years ago at least but this is and the gal was she was just the best mediator and she said paul i want you to say something to sarah okay sarah what did paul just say to you and she'd repeat it back okay paul is that what you wanted her to hear nope okay try it again we we did that back and forth 21 times i think it was before sarah was able to say uh, I was able to say, yes, that's exact. She said it back to me. So it's like, no wonder relationships mm. struggle and possibly fail because most people aren't hearing what the other person is mm. trying to say to them and, and grasping that. You just have a and, different point of view about it. Oh, yeah. And your ego and your, uh, just your frustration, all that comes through in your delivery and it gets misconstrued and failure you know it's just it's so tough and so that was like one of our best aha moments mm. like oh my god no wonder we've been sucking at this like we haven't actually been listening to each other hearing each other so we still struggle with that but it, at least we have the tools in our tool belt to like oh yeah let's work on this and yeah, communication so 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 difficult. We were talking about the, on the last podcast we had about how many different ways we communicate, not just through language, right? Mm -hmm. Body language. There's potentially like rhythms that mm -hmm. our bodies will uh, exude, 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 uh, and uh, and they're all jumbled together, 
right? Like we're all trying to like catch this energy from another person and piece them together into what we actually think they're saying. And it's with how selfish I am. It's, it's next to impossible to like really assemble those in the right proper way in the moment. Um, so you, you don't go on your mission. Uh, you, um, you're with Sarah, you guys, you guys get pregnant really early in your life. Yeah, we made it like two years. Apparently, the pull and pray method is not foolproof. <laughs> so, yeah. It's funny how you <laughs> you didn't mean to. No, we didn't. There were a lot of there were a lot of a lot more between the two years that was oh, like, oh man. shit. But yeah, it was it was guys, blue. Where were you guys at at this point in your lives? Um, what were you doing? I was in Colville, actually. Like, we were living in Spokane for a couple of years together. And then she was like, I we just could not afford living in Spokane. It was just, for some reason at that time, it's like, I just, we just could not get ahead. Mm. It's like, we're well, working. How old are you? 20? 19. Yeah, I was 19, 20. 19, 20. I mean, it's. 20 year olds nowadays like, aren't really that far ahead either. I don't think know? so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we just kept thinking, oh, you know, we'll move to a bigger city and mm. get out of Podunkville. Well, like, I. Like my kids did the same thing. That's like a, a bigger town or even a bigger city doesn't always, the grass is no greener. And mm. so it was just like, I, I missed, and I think Sarah did too, missed going and having our smaller community mm. scene that we had and just slower life, you know, traffic is the, even in Spokane, it's like, it is what it is. Yeah. So you um, you guys get pregnant with your, your firstborn. Mm-hmm. You are barely 20. Dude, we got a loan from my Sarah's oldest brother to let us buy a, I call it a Velveeta box, but a single wide mobile home because we couldn't find anything to rent. And we were like, let's let's at least like get a little bit of you know money going into something that we can actually you know, sell later if we need to. And we spent 10 years on that. We bought a new single wide mobile home and moved down to some property. And, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was some of the, that was probably our kids even say this. They're like, that was probably some of the best times. And it didn't matter what the house looked like. It was a home. Mm. We made it into a home, you know? And cor- correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because, uh, I am usually wrong. Uh, that pe- that trailer was right at the tip of the the community church that I grew yeah. up at. Yeah, right that's on the property. True. Yeah, and this is the weirdest thing about Paul and I's relationship is that we met when I was twenty seven. We had been like our lives had interweaved in so many different ways. For ten years, you lived at the end of the parking lot of that church that I grew up in and spent your dad was the, my dad was the pastor. My dad, my dad helped build that church literally like with a power tool uh, (laughs) and a hammer. Um, And yet I had no interaction or connection with you, Sarah, your children. Um, It's interesting how worlds, right. Can sort of orbit around each other, but just consistently miss. And then, and then it's, brought right into the fold right in the right moment i'm meeting you and sarah um when i was 26 27 
um, you guys had just just then b- become empty nesters. Your girls had mm-hmm. had left the house, and there was this like, I remember sitting down and talking to you uh, over a beer once, and you're like, "Wow, this is like new, right?" I've I've had, I went from living with my family, 19, and then starting my own family, and mm-hmm. I never had this like this time I, I never had uh what what most folk would call like an adult life right. i mean granted you were an adult and you but you had kids right you had dependents you had people that you were caring for and you didn't have this time or this space or this freedom and i was 26 27 being an idiot nine days a week um no dependence no uh you know no responsibilities really. And, um, it was interesting seeing you come on the back half of your raising children, raising a family, investing your time and your mm-hmm. energy into, um, making sure that the nourishment of your family was a top priority. Mm-hmm. And I was like terrified of that. When we first met, I was absolutely, I'm never going to get married. Absolutely. I'm never going to have kids. And it was and it was from hanging out with you and being around you and you kind of mentoring me into this. I don't think you did it intentionally, really, honestly. I, I think that you, uh, just in who you were and who you are, taught me that there is a joy that can come from... You can have, you can have both worlds. You can be yeah. an, a, a, a fun, uh, exciting, kind... Uh, passionate person and have a family Mm -hmm. and for some reason like Jules I would imagine you're kind of in that same regard or have been for a while I know a lot of my friends are that same way they're like well you either like button your shirt all the way to the top and you have a family or you have fun Mm -hmm. and um, uh, did you you can have both those worlds without question you can without question without question you can and I completely agree with you and I'm having I'm having more fun in my life now than I've ever had um did uh when you found out that Sarah was pregnant when you were 19 years old do you remember the feeling you had do you remember the emotion that coursed over your body was it this like what am I going to tell my parents or was it what am I going to do or was it oh shit or was it like yes I I can't wait to be a dad like what was the feeling you had coursing through that Adam's apple that you have in your neck right now. Can I add to that as well? Like, also, if I was in that position, I would I would think about potentially not even having the kid overall. Just to be completely honest, yeah, that didn't seem like it was even an idea. That wasn't all. that wasn't even an option for okay. us. Like that, I I suppose that that was that that was around, but there was probably still just enough of my religious mindset to think. I, thank goodness for you know that I suppose or I wouldn't know my kid Avery, you know, and it, it like that, that all happened. And I, Sarah and I talk about this a lot. It's like, if we were to try to plan having kids like you actually did, uh, or a lot of people do, I, I don't even know. Like, yeah, I just, I just, I'm not that kind of a person. Like I just, so it kind of needed to happen organically accidentally for me and that's when I found that I do life better is Mm. when a situation just comes happens and it's like 
okay, this is the universe telling me I need to like head this direction and I want to, I want to, I want to do it the best I can. So yeah, there was never uh Oh, let's, let's go and see the doctor and make mm -hmm. it go away. It's like, I actually love this person and the thought of like making another human with this person, like that was, that was actually really attractive. Mm. And really brave. even though I was ill prepared as uh, it just, you know, I, like I said, I was, I didn't have much education. Uh, my worst fear was ending up working at a sawmill in Colville stuck mm. and, uh, or, you know, I was box, like working at a grocery store. It was safe, but it's just like, ugh. it was like gut myself kind of thing. So yeah, it was, it was some interesting times. I think it, I've, I'd like to uh, jump off of your fear that you 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 um, reflected of being stuck. I didn't want to be stuck, and um, I think in all uh, reflection of your story, most people would go, "Oh, well, that's totally a reasonable scenario for this person who's been born into this situation and given these set of um, obstacles." To be stuck, oh man, you know I just I worked at the sawmill for forty years, and I didn't really like it, um, but you know I, I had a family I had to provide mm -hmm. and I think it's I think it's such a cool testimony to the story you have because you went from uh, boxing groceries at eighteen uh, to uh, starting a family when you're nineteen. Mm -hmm probably terrified and ill-equipped, uneducated. Um, and from that, you learned how to do so many things. You learned how to uh, create a business and to work for yourself and to provide for a family. And you built a home. You built several homes on your own. Mm. And um, this came from, I would imagine, I'm, I'm talking for you right now, so cut me off if, uh, if I speak out of turn, but this came from the community that you had around you and, and your, your tools that the church probably provided for you, which was building a community, being a sociable person, being kind, being caring, being compassionate. And from that, the tools that you brought into life, which was, I'm going to, you owned a, you owned a woodworking business for many years. You still run that today. You uh, you took over. I'm not sure you can talk about this after I maybe give the details. You took over a wood, a hard wood shop, a hard mm -hmm. hard wood store. Is that the right term? Yeah, it was a woodworking store that yeah sold all different kinds of from. It was a retail store, and we did hardwood floors, uh, built any custom furniture or any woodwork that anybody wanted that couldn't do it on their own. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was a fun business. So you so you took those tools, um, and you had no previous uh, knowledge of hardwoods or cabinets or woodworking or carpentry or any of this stuff. Am I right? No, it was the, well, that all started with back at church. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, he, he I just overheard him saying, "I need I need an employee to work at my woodworking shop," and I thought oh my God, this is one way I can get out of the grocery store mm. business. Mm. And I, I, and 
just just previous to that, I had a good buddy of mine that built some. If I look back on it now, it's probably pretty crude, but he built this little vanity for their kitchen, and he had a young family too. We were the same age, and I was like, it was just really hit me. It's like, wow, like you made that. And that's a functional thing, you mm. know. And it, I don't know what it was, but it's like, it just really hit me, and I I thought. Maybe that's what I want to do. Like yeah. I'm artsy fartsy, and I don't know what kind of art I like to do. I always try to do a little music, try to do a little bit of this, and somehow woodwork kind of got into my veins. And yeah. and it was just all pure luck that this guy happened to be saying, "I need somebody to run my store for me." And Sarah couldn't. She was like, "Just stay at the grocery store. It's safe. You know what you're gonna. You know, it's like." I will die if I stay there much longer. Mm. Like it's sucking the soul out of me. Like I need some outlet. So once again, the universe, some people would say, some other people would say the spirit or whatever led them, but the, whatever the universe law of attraction and just speaking out, you know, going, I'm going to fucking take a chance mm. and do this. So and, you took, so you took a chance um, and eventually took over that woodworking mm -hmm. shop. Yep, and you put my it. put my name on it, and ran it for like fourteen years. And had you had any prior knowledge about how to run a business, how no. to work for yourself? No, that's why I love like on the job training and shit like that. Apprenticeship. It, yeah, just just pay attention. And I mean, I was like, uh, I've never like I wish this would have happened to me in school with physics or math or anything, like. I was reading woodworking books like crazy and absorbing it. It wasn't like homework. It was like passion, mm. you know? Yeah. And it's like, why? We're like, thank God I found something, you know? Because I was worried about myself. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't want to just do a day job somewhere. Like, I want to, I want to, I want to have fun doing whatever I'm doing. I right. want to be creative and, and I found it. So it was, a blessing. Do you think you would have found that um, outside of of woodworking? Do you think that woodworking was the only thing, or do you think that at that moment in your life you were brought to this place where you were just so hungry to attach yourself to some sort of some sort of creative venture, wh whether it be woodworking, whether it be um making music whether it be like like at that point in your life you were just so hungry for that you you would have been what 22 23 I was uh, 22 I think 22 yeah. uh do you think it was I mean you found that passion with coffee before you you've ran a you've ran a coffee bar and you've been I a did. like a pinnacle pivotal member of at least a community that I've been a part of and very passionate about coffee is, yeah do you think that that is a just a characteristic trait or do you, is it specific to what you were doing well, it's a hard question to answer i think it just i think it just like in those little sequence of those moments that i just explained it just happened that way like i and it was undeniable it was just like and same with the coffee thing mm -hmm. I just had a really good buddy of mine that it's like i didn't even like coffee until i met him and he it was like this awesome artisan moment where it's like, here's how, here's how good this can be. Here's how finite and geeked out you can go with this. Mm. And it's like, 
I just thought coffee was like, I just remember my grandma drinking shitty Folgers or whatever. And I thought that was coffee. And yeah. then for somebody to take it, same with woodwork, somebody to take it to this next level and go, oh my God, it's endless. Like this could, you could go anywhere with either of these hmm. and music, you know, you, you name it. It's like, it's fun to go out and see what you want to like, I can be a crazy quilter. You yeah. can go down that all day long. Well, it's a testament to who you are as a person because I think, you know, I th you're giving the universe a lot of credit for kind of how your life has turned out. But I think you have also worked your ass off to fall in line into the into the trajectory that you've had. And you have been very disciplined because of the circumstances of your life as well. Um, and you have found joy and passion and interest in kind of everything it seems like just from knowing you much later in your life you're an interested human being and you and you uh you're genuinely like uh curious about things as far as i'm mm -hmm. concerned um and and i think it's just such an amazing quality about you and you and you haven't uh yeah i think like your faith or your your history with the church has allowed you to or has kind of put this impression on you that you have um that the universe has worked in its way for you to kind of have this thing happen. But you also went through your twenties with children and, mm -hmm. and, and missed your twenties. A part of my life where like, I can't relate at all because I was just a complete and utter idiot mm -hmm. uh, as were you. And we don't, Whoa. we can't, we can't, yeah, you were very smart about I was, things. That was cool <laughs> AF, dude. Um, I saw some idiot. Um, I kept it real constantly, bro. But that, but, 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 but <laughs> those circumstances uh, provided for for a lifestyle that kind of brought discipline into your life much earlier on, and it's so interesting to have met you at the, the point where you're at now because it almost seems like now you're you're able to connect with, with younger people like Alan and I and have this young spirit about yourself because you were an adult really, really young, whereas neither of us were. And so it's, um, it's so cool to be able to spend time with you and to see you kind of... Like, I can't imagine being 10 years older than I am now being like, oh, I'm good. Like, I, my kids are out of the house. I'm, I'm, I'm great. But your kids are also so level-headed and grounded and sweet and respectful and and kind and it's it's a testament to your parenting and it's just like that's why i think you're such an exception to the rule because i, I don't know that it always works out that way um and so it's just really special um one of our one of our key things with sarah and i and i was talking to you about this earlier but was like okay we're gonna rear these kids into this world and how do we how do we want to what didn't we like about how we were brought up and how can we try to make it better for these these humans and it it was it came down to and i'm not saying we dialed it in but it was there we changed the rules a lot from how we were brought up and maybe we did it i'd have to talk to my girls but for the most part i think we didn't overdo it. I feel like we, um, you know, we exposed them to a lot of stuff that we weren't exposed to. And so they wouldn't have, and tried to talk through it with them. Like, like what? Like what? What, what are examples? Drugs, drugs, sex, uh -huh. uh, uh, spirituality, uh, 
do whatever you know, like just as far as like if you want to if you want to do drugs all right here's here's the drugs that we know are really bad and you should avoid those not all drugs are bad but if they're used in these certain contexts and with this sort of uh you know intention then and, and so that was like one of our things I, we we said hey if you guys want to do psychedelics you're going to do them with us mm. we would prefer you to do them with us and we you know waited till they were at a, a ripe enough age but they were probably like early high school mm-hmm. and it's like we don't want you sneaking off going to some party and drinking and nobody knows how to get home that's super unsafe nervous to call or we'd rather have your group of friends come here you all camp out here and let's do these things you know safely mm. here and i think that was like we were left to our own devices I, a i like i said i didn't even do any of that stuff until i was 25 but with our kids i knew it's like we're a little more liberal a lot more liberal than I was raised. And I didn't want it to just be left to their own devices. You know, it's like, let's talk about this. When, when you were 25 and you came upon this ulterior world, because as I understand it, you, uh, you tried to manage your relationship with the church early in your marriage. You, you guys were married in the church. You, you had a Mormon ceremony in the church, correct? Uh, we had a lawn wedding when we first got married, but then like two years later, um, we were able to get married in the temple. You got married in the temple. But I had to baptize Sarah first. Okay. Uh, so I had to do a lot of sweet talking and sell, sell the church. Okay, and so eventually you, you baptize Sarah into the church, you guys have a temple wedding, and then eventually you're like, this is not working. This is not for us, right? This Most is ra- of that came from Sarah's dad, who was Catholic, super Catholic, and he was on his deathbed, and she said, this is a Mormon thing, Dad, can I baptize you after you're dead? Because Mormons baptize people that have died. Okay. Like, they have some weird communication with that. Like, here's your option, even though you died. And some people didn't even get the message. So this is one way for them to extend this one last, like... Lifeline. You know, yeah. And he's he's like, over my dead body. If you do that, I will disown you forever. You know, that kind of thing. It It really shook her. And she was like, how can I... How can I participate and partake in something that is going to separate me from all of my family because I know they're not going to want to join, you know, drink this Kool-Aid. Yeah. And that was her aha moment of I'm out. I'm mm. done. She took her garments off, you know, which is a sacred thing. Right. Cause you guys, cause Mormons have a holy garment that they, yeah, they when wear you, constantly. When you, when you have gotten sealed in the temple, you, 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 you have to buy your own garments, which is kind of an expensive, crazy thing because y- you have to be a full tithe payer to be able to have your garments. Mm. So that's, like, t- that's like, 10% like... of your income. Right. And any gifts that are given to you, you're supposed to figure out what those gifts are. And Where do they make those garments at? Is it like an H&M thing or something? Dude, I don't know, man. Really? There like, must be a lot of them. There must be a oh, factory. There's a, there's a shit ton of them out there. But can you get? They're new... not sexy, by the way. No, but can you get new garments? Like if you. Oh yeah, yeah. Gain no, weight? Awesome. 
Oh yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, they have all these funny flaps in all the wrong places and it's just not attractive. But Okay, so she goes, I'm out, I'm done. Um, yeah. you soon follow. Yeah, it didn't take long. I was like, well, um and part of the thing too was I sold her down this on this religion and she was actually more gung ho on it than I was. And mm. I was born and raised in it. So it didn't just take her dad to do that. I was I was on the sidelines over here just me shirking my thing, like eh, I don't really know her. Uh. And she saw that for probably two years. She was taking all the callings. That's that's Sarah. She's so like all or none. She's driven. Yeah. If she gets into something, she's into it. And yep. that's what's so beautiful about her. But she saw that that I was waning and and then her dad says that, and that's, it's like, why am I, like, you're not even really into this. My dad says, you know, over my dead body, I'm out. Yeah. So, so yeah, it didn't take very long after that for me to, to go, yeah, why am I here? Because I didn't want to deal with probably the separation from the village. Yeah, gotcha. And so that's probably around 25, you say, right around that time? Yep. And you start kind of experimenting with what you know uh, recovering uh, religious people would call a secular world you start experimenting with with coffee and and, oh, and tea I, and, and I alcohol tried, I tried and some bud light man a little bud light and half a bud light and i was just like but did you go through a phase because i went through this phase of like i guess realization of all these fears that i had had all this all these people that I had pushed out of my life because they were involved in these things that I was told are absolutely like hell-bound ingredients for you to ruin your entire life. And then when you first dip your foot in that pool and you're like, what? This, isn't, this is not bad. This is not a bad thing. Um, it's not any worse than eating a full bag of Doritos in one <laughs> sitting. You know, like, uh, did you go through that phase at all with you know, substance with movies, with music, with, was there, was there a time period where that happened? I, so what are you asking me? Okay. So when <laughs> people always have to lot. say that. <laughs> yeah. that, was a, that was a roundabout sort of, <laughs> I forgot what my point was. Um, so you, you leave the church. We, I kind of got started down that pathway because you were like, I, I never, uh, invested any time in that secular world until I was about 25. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when you get to that point and you take your first... <laughs> if you, you, you dip your toe in that pool. That oh, pool. we're back to the pool again. Okay. Did you go through yeah. a moment of like, what? It, what? This is, I spent 25 years of my life like being oh, afraid of this shit and, okay. and this is what it is? This like is like, I, like, I regret, like, why haven't I dabbled in all no, this pr- maybe not prior re- to this? Maybe not regret, but like I went through the moment that I had that first Mike's Hard Lemonade and was like, this feels rad. I, this is fun. I'm like, I told conversations. You. Are, <laughs> <laughs> Been trying to tell you forever. Yeah. Been trying to tell you since I was it's 10, like, bro. Oh. What's, what's bad about laughing louder? You know, like I thought about all the, the guilt and the remorse and, the, and, and also too, like the finger waving that I had done at people. All the shame. All well, the yeah. shame that I had like held on my back and then for, sort of tossed at other people. I was like, 
I felt bitter. There was a mm-hmm. there was a long line of bitterness that I dealt with because of sort of that veil being pulled away and going, what? This is the thing that I was like adamantly against for so many years. Did you have that uh, at all? Oh, yeah. Well, probably one of the, like, like the sham. Like, yeah. Like, I've been duped. Right. Uh, probably one of the biggest, and I don't want to, like, delve too far into this, but was both Sarah and I, as like, again, born and raised in this church, made it all the way to the temple, which is like the, the grand poobah, like, you've made it, you've arrived. And I had a bunch of my village community people there. And this was when Sarah and I were going to get married in the temple. And it just, it really, that was probably the the biggest, like, what moment. It was a letdown. Just, like, I honestly felt like you're on candid camera, dude, was going to pop out at any moment. It was just, it was like, I've waited my whole life for this. And it was like these, it was just, I don't want to go too far into this, but it was just weird costumes, weird handshakes, just weird, just really, really bizarre. And I thought it was going to be, how could I not? Like, I just built it up in my mind that it was going to be this big, special, like, wow moment Mm. and it was it was just it was just awkward and like get me out of here like Mm. but i want 19 20 years of my life back right but at the same time on the other hand i don't regret i like i would never i don't sit here and go "Ah, I, i wish i had all that back it was just a weird moment but I wouldn't trade my upbringing and all my friends, my extended family, my family for anything. Yeah. Like it was, it was, it made me who I am. Yeah. And you're a legend, man. It's, it's interesting how you can go through your life and look at these phases and these times and moments and energy and, and, and passions and look back on it and be like, well, that was a little misguided, but man, I don't want to change it at all because I'm stoked about who I am. Yeah. That's, that's such a cool thing that, those two worlds can coexist at the same time. You can look back and be like, man, that was pretty crazy. I went through, you know, I kept wearing the, my right shoe on my left foot for, you know, many years and walking in circles, but man, maybe who I am, sort of. But even still, you didn't choose to raise your kids in the church, and I don't know if you will or won't, but it doesn't I don't sound, know. I, I, I'm actually, I, this is an interesting conversation because I've, there's aspects of my childhood that, like, I don't know how you facilitate that, same thing in the secular world Hmm. like take every sunday going to a place where everybody can show up at the same time and they all have children the same age as you where am i going to find that the playground what hike up on the hill we're here together nature (laughs) yeah like like to me that's my that's my church take the kids skiing on a sunday when it's blue sky and it's just right but or sledding or something but yes and and i completely agree that you can make your churches just whatever right you can do that you can make your church camping you can make your church but like finding other like-minded families Mm -hmm. you're gonna sift through so many like duds probably just going to a yoga convention or going to a boxcar racing event, you know? I, I guess I'm just, I've been thinking about it. I haven't actually executed it yet because we have a good group of people around us, but I understand why people are drawn to these community-based religions 
Mormonism, Scientology, Christianity, Catholicism, right? Because there's like at least like-minded enough to say, treat your neighbor with respect and show up to church on time. Totally, but I think what Paul has done is worked even harder to implement those values into his children's life by actually like having those conversations and making the church in his home if if without the extra without without having to fear and, and guilt and the weird is, thing in my brain about church just because i didn't i wasn't raised in the church i, I grew up catholic but it didn't i didn't right. resonate didn't connect it wasn't really anything for me um was that now when i think back like when i i, know, I might be an asshole for saying this but it almost just seems lazy especially after knowing you uh and that's not to say that other people that really value the church and, and have relationships with it and put their kids in it aren't doing the right thing by their standards. But I just, I don't know. Like, I have such a different experience in my life than you guys do. Yeah. I didn't grow up in the church but, at all. But some people need structure. Some people need this. And I, yeah, I'm, I a, I'm an entrepreneur. Like, I can't work for somebody else. Like, mm -hmm. I need to work for myself and mm -hmm. be do it my way and i feel like that's my spirituality too like mm -hmm. i don't need to go to a building with you know the community is great like, like i said like i love my community that i had through that but there's a there's a lot of uh i don't know it's a heavy price to pay ultimately because uh for me it's like i need my independence in that, in my spirituality, my work life, um, that's just how I'm wired. But there are plenty of people, obviously, like, look at how many churches are out there. Colville has, like, 22 churches. Chewila, tiny town, like, 2,000 people, has 10 or 12 churches. Wow. I think I counted at one point, it was, like, 14 or 15. Yeah. Jeez. I think, I'd also like to maybe circle back to a point that I was attempting to try and make earlier about just... I always see this bumper sticker sticker constantly in Chewila, just all over the Pacific Northwest, and it says coexist. Was, that's so weird. I and was just, I've seen that so many times. I was going to say, is that the one? <laughs> yeah, and it's like <laughs> all the different emblems of all these yeah. different religions and beliefs, and, yeah. and it says coexist. And I have so many incredible people in my life who abide by some sort of religious religious. Uh, one of those that's on that sticker. Just one. Yeah, yeah, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Catholicism, um, Mormonism, there's there's so many um, human beings that I love to death and I would call in a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, interacting with these people and coexisting with these people is, it stretches me as a human being and it teaches me a lot of different uh, ways and and. and um, perceptions and and ideas, and I think that uh, one reason why I really love and appreciate you, Paul, is you you've uh, not only shown me that with your own interactions with your upbringing and the people that you met and you uh, grew up with, your family included, um, uh, but uh, people I introduce you to that I know of that ilk who come mm -hmm. from all different walks of life. Uh, you have the capacity to love and care and. And, and also just be yourself, too. Like, I, I notice in my life I, I have this momentum or propensity to sort of guard myself around certain circles. You're a public figure. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's it or if it's like, is this going to, you know, I grew up in a small town and my dad was the pastor. And so I have this 
idea of Still, like, you're a public figure. I am a public figure, but I think I was raised with that because I was like, is this going to get back to my dad? If I, right, right. <laughs> if I tell somebody I watched Ren and Stimpy, <laughs> is that going to get back to my parents? Um, and I, I, I really appreciate that, and I, I appreciate you, you uh, showing me that intentionally or not. Uh, that you can you can coexist. I think that's just super stellar, and I think that you would, I would I would imagine that you've, uh, if there was a Paul Corbett, Ten Commandments, that that would be one of the high commandments on on that list of ten. Coexist. Coexist. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, I would say so too. Well, I I have to say it like just putting myself in that little public scene at the coffee shop. Um, everybody was like, you should be mayor. It's like, you know, I don't want to do that. I feel like just doing, being this bartender, barista guy, and just taking everybody in, and I loved the fact that, and it helped me push myself in that phase of my life to, we're all the same. Mm. Like, we're, we all poop, we all pee, we all hurt, we cry, mm. we, you know, we want love. And if I just did that with and I, I tried to actually do that with everybody that came in. And I would talk crude or crass or whatever. And people actually really enjoyed that. They liked being treated like a real human being. And we all have that in common. And we're all looking for it. And I had so many hugs in my life through that. I had people come in that just wanted a hug. And they would they didn't want a coffee or anything they just leave but it was like that was the best it's like just that human connect connection like that because that's what we're all looking for ultimately yes you've heard it on our uh on our podcast the how good's this podcast the first time uh paul corbett is running for mayor in 2020 (laughs) and uh, he's running on the back of everybody needs a good squeeze Oh, yep. a good squeezer, man. I'll pull you in. I'll be uh, your campaign. Incredible hugger. Um, companion. Paul, th- thanks so much for being here and for sharing your time with us and your story with us and being being vulnerable, man. I know that, like, talking about our past and talking about the things of that nature, like, it's difficult at times, and you've been extremely vulnerable with us, man. I, I just want to say I love you uh, to the ends of the earth, and um, I uh, have... a an immense world of respect for you and just want to say thanks for, for being on the show. Oh. I second that, man. Yeah, you're a really special dude. Thank you. You're the exception to the rule. Thank you. I, I love you guys, man. Thanks for having me on. It was so much fun. I'll be vulnerable anytime with you guys. Hmm. All right, come back. For sure. Okay. All right. For sure. It's Paul Corbett, Paul. folks. Okay. Yeah. Let's go get some Mexican food. Oh, boo boo, did you just make it to the end of the video? Yes, you did. Do you want to see more videos just like this one, huh? Do you? Well, then head over to patreon.com slash live at the lodge where you can support the how goods of this podcast as well as the entire live at the lodge family. Yep. Yeah, you're going to get exclusive merch, personalized shout out videos. Me and Jules, we're going to show up at your house and baptize your nephew, huh? Check it out. Patreon.com slash live at the lodge.